Thank you so much for joining me. Um, oh, thank you. Um, we're recording now because okay. I have to get out of a screen <laughs> and I have voiceover on, so I have to turn it off. Okay. So I'm going to start talking in the middle. Um, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it. I've been following you for quite some time now. Um, in your 30-day um, speaking challenge mm-hmm. that you do. And um, I actually knew about you since, like, listening to Chris Brohan's actual fluency podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, like some time ago, like a couple years ago. So wow. I said, you know what, I would love to talk to him because it's interesting. Um, I uh, found your story to be interesting. I was like, I think my, my – Listeners would love to hear this along with my students because I ha- I have a mixture of blind and visually impaired students from around the world that are learning languages and are trying to improve their speaking. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, Jonathan has a 30-day challenge where you could do a language of your choice. You just have to, like, record yourself every day a different mm-hmm. topic. And that would be p- perfect because he covers all the languages. So, just about. so, so um, I mentioned that to them this morning in my language learning group, and I said, you know, this might be beneficial since you guys really want to practice, you know, your languages in different, you know, scenarios, and you don't have to, you know, put up a video. You can do an audio recording. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I'm going to interview him today to get, you know, more information for my listeners and to hear about his story and how he started in the language learning community. So thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Oh, and th- yeah, thank you. Um, I think this is a good opportunity to, um, yeah, help spread the word for um, other learners who are interested in joining and, and getting more speaking practice. So how did you start life with languages? Was it at a young age or was it during your adolescent years, your college years? Um, it was at the beginning of high school. Mm-hmm. So this is probably when I was about 14, 15 um, in freshman year. So um, I took uh, Spanish one. And uh, for for California, where I was uh, growing up and going to, to school, language learning was really just a requirement, uh, basically a two-year requirement. So um, people were not really expected to become very proficient in the language learning. Um, in in my family, though, my my brother and my sister had, uh, I think my brother had done Spanish and my sister had done French. And for some reason, I got really interested in like, okay, well, after two years of Spanish, what if I try French? And I think that's where I got the language bug um, mm-hmm. and got bitten really bad. And then I started moving on to uh, German, a little bit of Italian, and then some Russian, and then just started um, taking all the books I could find in my public library um, to just dabble in here and there over mm-hmm. the next few years. But, um, it, yeah, it really started just in, in high school. Now, I mean, evidently, I had a different route. My route was 
I learned American Sign Language because I was going to a school where they had deaf kids and, you know, they had a school, I mean, they had a room for the people that were blind and visually impaired, but you were mainstreamed into mainstream classes. You just went there as like your resource room. Mm-hmm. And so I was taught um, American Sign Language through a friend of mine because she was taking it. She was like about, oh, I don't know, three years older than me or something at the time mm-hmm. or, or a little older. And I had a lot of energy. So my mom said, well, you know, why don't you teach her, you know, sign language? Because, you know, she had a book in my hand at four. And so I took it to it like a duck to water. And then as years went on, of course, I went away from being in school for, you know, with people that were deaf to going to another elementary school and being mainstream. So I really didn't have the opportunity to use it. So I lost a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't start until college when I had no choice but to teach Spanish for all intents and purposes, because that was the only language that was offered at the community college in Cleveland that I was going to, well, the campus anyway, mm-hmm. that I was going to. So I took it and they really didn't put an emphasis on speaking that much. I mean, the most you did was go to a restaurant and order some food. That mm. was the amount of speaking. It was yeah. more on, okay, let's pass the test. And that was great, but you wanted to speak, but I was mostly more on the cultural side of it. Like, I liked the movies. Well, not so much the movies, but the music, the dancing, the food, those cultural elements. I really wasn't, I want to be fluent. I would have rather taken French, Italian, uh, Russian. Um, And so they noticed I had an aptitude for languages. I would just be able to pick the grammar and stuff up like a sponge. Mm -hmm. And they wanted me to go to Mexico and Cuba at the time, but no passport and no mucho dinero. So, ah. so I was like, that's limiting. So I'm like, uh, no, but I really, I, I did it the old fashioned way. I had a, um, como se dice book with the company CDs, no internet, mm-hmm. Telemundo, mm-hmm. Univision, and Ricky Martin, and Ricky Iglesias, and Shakira to listen to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, that was my introduction in that regard. So, I tell my students today, you know, if you find a language that you love, go for it because, you know, sometimes you're introduced to foreign languages not by choice, but by the fact you need it for a degree requirement. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, it, it, that was how it was for me in community college. So it wasn't until years later I started teaching myself like Russian like four years ago independently so mm. but there was no internet I mean the internet was in its infancy when I was learning Spanish so we didn't have same like, here Facebook or anything yeah so same here a books and tutors and that's it yeah so um and that was in the early 2000s so um you know I tell my my students all the time you that's what you you know, you're very lucky. You have more resources than I did when I started, you know, learning um, languages. And I, I was just curious, like, did you have, like, the textbook with the CDs or the or the book with, like, the, the cassette tapes? And, I mean, oh, yes, definitely cassettes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was I was learning back in, 
even, I guess, before what you mentioned here. So this was like 95. Um, and this was the text. Yeah, this was the textbook in school. There was no cassette that we had as, as students that we could take home. Right. Uh, we just had the audio cassette that the teacher would play in class. Um, my teacher later on in like my fourth year of Spanish, she, she started playing Shakira songs. We would do gap fill mm-hmm. exercises. She would remove some of the lyrics. She would put this on an overhead projector. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we would see the lyrics and we'd have to write down the missing words. Uh, but we didn't have, um, like audio cassettes or CDs that we could take home. Um, right. like you said as well, like the, uh, Telemundo and, and maybe some of the, the Spanish speaking channel on, on TV. Right. Uh, in California, there were a few more native speakers who were in the classes. Um, that was interesting because they were, they were basically studying their native language and just the way we would be studying English. But so that added another dimension to somebody you could practice with. Um, right. and, and that actually gave me some connection to the culture. This was not just a, you know, a foreign language that, I know, in theory, I could speak this somewhere in the world. It was actually I could speak this to this person in my class um, who right. was from Mexico or from some other country in Central America or South America. So um, it it made the the language learning process more connected to people. Um, now, when was it that you really decided to take this like seriously? Like, was it after high school? Was it at university? I think towards the last year of high school, um, I was doing my fourth year of Spanish, my second year of French, and at the local community college, I was taking some night classes for conversational German. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the in spring break, um, my French teacher organized an exchange trip. So a uh, a European high school in um, in Switzerland, they had come visit us uh, visited us in um, in in fall, and then it was our turn at spring break to go visit them, and that was my first trip to Europe, and I was I just fell in love with like the European culture, and then after visiting the high school, we also spent a week in Paris. And I was just, I convinced myself, okay, I want to come back here and study and live here. And that's, I think, really where I, where things took off because I gave myself a, a very specific goal and, and then I ended up moving to Paris and studying there. That's like freaking awesome. See, I would have loved to have done that. <laughs> I took a different route. I, I studied theater and film in college. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't get into languages till like four years ago. At like oh, 30 wow. years. yeah, yeah. A, a bit of a gap, a gap here uh, between. So, um, no, I think this was for me just the steady progress of just little by little, more and more. Um, mm-hmm. And in university uh, in California, majoring, deciding to major in French, which was my second 
foreign language. I would say Spanish introduced me to how to learn a foreign language. It was mm -hmm. kind of what is a foreign language? Why do we need this? And then it got a little bit more accelerated with um, the French studies because then it was like, oh, this looks familiar. This is another romance language. Um, let's see if I can, let's see how fast I can learn this, bring myself up to speed. And luckily I had teachers who also spoke Spanish and French and they, um, they recognized that I could accelerate in this and pick up some of the, the material rather quickly. Right. And then they encouraged me to, to jump from French one to French three, uh, for the next year. Um, and, and then I realized that like language learning could in theory get easier, um, with these other languages and, and German seemed to confirm that as well. There was some things in common with French, some things in common with English. Um, and then after that, I just kind of like, how many more languages can I learn here? Or, uh, what can I dabble in with? What can I dabble in next? Um, so. Uh, I would say overall, it's probably been about 20, 24, 25 years that I've just been dabbling and also living abroad for about 17 years. No, that's awesome. <laughs> I I want to continue the dabbling side of things because <laughs> I I have people who they feel that if you're a dabbler, you're not really a serious language learner. You know, because you want to learn a piece of the language or you just want to learn, uh, like, for instance, if you only want to learn A1 level, you know, just because, you know, you find the language interesting, but you don't see yourself going native, but you don't see yourself going conversational either. You just kind of want a taste, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, of the language. I mean, there's so much controversy over that because... Well, you really don't speak it because, well, okay, I didn't know how to say hello in Finnish yesterday. I know how to say it today. I didn't know how to say I am this in Finnish. I know how to say it today. I didn't know how to say thank you. I know how to say So even if you know a few words, a few phrases, it's a lot more um, better than not knowing anything at all. Essentially, mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of the perhaps the controversy it, it it's probably coming more from I want to say monolinguals uh, who for some reason if we I, I mean if I apply this to let's say like art if right. like, oh I'm going to take a water painting class I don't quite expect my friends to suddenly say well that water painting was terrible. You're 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 not going to be ex like exposing your artwork in the Louvre um, or <laughs> the Metropolitan Art Museum in New York. Like it's it's such an unrealistic expectation to say, look, I'm just doing something as a hobby or uh, just something in my free time or because I like this, I enjoy this. I I don't quite like. I wouldn't expect I'm going to be a world class artist in six months or 10 years from now, I'm just, I'm doing this because I enjoy it. But for some reason with language learning, we, we tend to 
don't know, judge other people or, or other people judge us and we seem to have to, uh, um, justify our, yeah, justify our interests to say like, like what is the harm in me learning something just for fun or out of curiosity or I, I have a, a, na- a neighbor who's from that country and I just want to be able to say hello or how are you? I don't expect myself to then become able to defend a PhD doctrine <laughs> thesis in that language. Uh, right, months right. I just want to be able to say hi or have a conversation or, or just out of curiosity. So right. Um, right. I think it's perfectly fine to ha- show some interest or curiosity and um, kind of scratch an itch. Mm-hmm. Right, because I... I've done that this year where I've dabbled in, I would say, about seven different languages. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, I used Mango, so they had their one level of Cantonese, so I I did the whole level in like 16 weeks. Not mm-hmm. 16 weeks, six weeks, sorry. Mm-hmm. So after I was done with the whole thing, I mean, I did all of the court, all of the chapters, and so... By the time I was done, I picked up the phone and ordered me some Chinese food in Cantonese and gave my phone number and address and simple stuff like that. And I still can remember a lot of what I had learned, like, back in January. That's cool. then, Then I did the same thing with Hindi, but I really accelerated it. I did it in six days. So, um... Because we have a, a large Hindi population here in Ak- um, Akron, so where I live at in Ohio. So, I mean, it's like the United Nations over here. You name the language, it's probably spoken in this town. That's so, cool. That's so cool. I've gotten a love affair with the languages of the East. Mm-hmm. So now I'm, like, interested in Thai, Cantonese, Korean, Japanese. Swahili, Hindi, Turkish. So those seven languages I'm really interested in. Now, mm-hmm. mind you, I know a little bit of Turkish. I know A1 Cantonese, A1 Hindi. I'm learning Arabic and Egyptian Arabic and uh, Japanese right now through Michelle Thomas and the Mango app and mm-hmm. Japanese pod and Arabic pod 101. So, because I'm auditory learner. Mm-hmm. So, so, at the end of the day, um, I'm doing that because I see these type of people in my community all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So this way I'm able to activate the languages, even if it's briefly. I'll go to a restaurant and I'll order something in Arabic. And, I mean, they were so impressed. They told me when I left, come back and you can talk to our general manager in Arabic. Now, I've never had that before. Mm-hmm. Where someone asked me to come back to their restaurant so I can talk to their general manager in Arabic. Now, that, yeah, that creates new opportunities. That's cool. That's cool. Right. Now I have to learn Levantine, of course, because people in the back, they don't speak Egyptian. They speak Levantine. Mm-hmm. So I have to do that. And I'm like, I don't mind it because I find it so much fun, you know, and because I studied theater and film in college. I'm able to watch as much cinema with Netflix and Hulu and audio description and voiceover on my Apple TV. So with technology as advanced as it is, I'm able to really have a more broader cinematic world than I did, oh, I would say about three years ago. Mm. You know, so for me personally, it's, it's, you know, language learning has opened up so many opportunities 
that I wouldn't have been able to have otherwise. You know, I mean, I have like 110 people in my group and they're both sighted and blind and that's never happened before. And, you know, I've got to interview like all kinds of people, Dr. Kar- you know, Stephen Karashian and Richard oh, wow. mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Ollie and um, Chris Burlholm and um, I, I interviewed David J. Peterson last month. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. And um, so now I'm like, okay, I got to find more people. Um, so, but it, it is, you know, it's changed my life. I've got to meet people that enjoy the same thing that I do, you know, and you get to learn so much about different people's cultures and, and the food and learn how to make food and bond over, you know, simple things. You know, that you wouldn't normally bond over with, like, your monolingual friends, you know, because they just wouldn't understand. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's like a really great, you know, community. People are very warm and very welcoming and positive, and they want you to succeed. You know, um, do you think that um, by creating your um, language 30-day speaking challenge, um, mm-hmm. That that's helped people become more, more global, more communal, you know, in regards to sharing their 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 interest for language learning, wanting to speak more, wanting to learn more languages, including indigenous, you know, languages that are kind of dying out. Yeah, there's there's it's it's a platform, so people can definitely make it their own. They can um, bring the target language that they're working on. Um, so people can consider the speaking challenge like a gym. Um, the other day I was taking my kids to a skate park, um, and I would kind of reinterpret the speaking challenge now of saying that maybe it's kind of like a language learning skate park. So you Mm -hmm. can go there, do what you're working on. Um, if you fall down or get hurt, nobody's going to judge you. You just keep practicing and having fun. Um, and taking some inspiration from other people working on what they're looking, uh, we're learning. Um, I don't necessarily limit any languages. So I just ask people, what are they learning? And that's what I create, um, documents for. So mm-hmm. we use, um, at, at Google documents, those are dynamic and interactive. So people can access them as a, small group of people and on them people can post links to audio files or links to videos if they prefer to do video but we mainly focus on audio uh, recordings and uh, so the people who are participating in a given month they have access to all of those documents uh, and they can post their link there they can also listen to other people's audio files and 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 leave comments and feedback. Um, and, and it does put people in contact with uh, people from around the world. And what's really nice when we have our discussion topics is uh, we can learn about other cultures. We can learn about other people's opinions on certain topics. Uh, like one example that I really like is um, recently we talked about national holidays and um, I asked like what's your biggest national holiday and that was an opportunity to 
Also see how people interpret their own holidays. What do they consider more popular or um, which one is more representative of their culture? So uh, it, it gives a, a much more uh, in-depth insight uh, into countries and people from around the world. So uh, language learning really puts these people in contact um, and you can listen to other people's recordings. You mm -hmm. can also listen to accents. So if, if somebody wanted to get used to international communication, listening to the document in English is a good one because we have people with all kinds of accents. So Russian accents, uh, Brazilian Portuguese accents, German, French, Spanish. So you can hear their accents in English. That's another thing. Um, it to work on is the listing comprehension as well now i'm curious let's say someone starts off with something like i don't know italian like let's say they do italian for a month if mm -hmm. they if they're you know on a flow they're you know they're consistent with it and they complete the 30 days can they continue with just that like if they want to keep going with that one language can they do it again for the next oh month definitely yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. They can keep going. Um, one of the things that um, I try to really uh, make different from other challenges that I've participated in is that the emails the, that I send out, they are baked fresh daily. <laughs> so um, when I go to a bakery, I like fresh bread. So other programs that I've joined it might be the same emails delivered um, months later, years later, the same content. And then that forces me to consider why, why did I join again? It's all the same stuff. But with the speaking challenge um, for the past two and a half years, which is now close to 900 emails, different emails that I've sent out. Uh, so we have a, a changing variety of these questions and topics. Um, some of them are more popular, so we repeat them. Some of them we change from one month to another, so people can keep coming back and participating and and um, expanding their vocabulary. And, um, and maybe if you talk about a similar topic two months from now, you might have a different opinion on it, or you might have a different skill level so you can expand on what you said before. Um, right. But we try to include a lot of variety. Oh, that's awesome because um, I know for me personally, hold on real quick, Donald down. Damn. I'm sorry, that's my guide dog. Sorry. <laughs> um, yes, I, he doesn't like me being out of his eyesight range. <laughs> she was like, God forbid I'm on his <laughs> eyesight range. He thinks I he has to see me at all times. Like, doing his job. Is doing his job. Yes. So as I was saying, um now evidently are any of these materials that you um have on your site they're fully accessible, right? With like screen readers like Jaws for Windows, VoiceOver, NVDA. I believe so. Um, the emails, um, that's text. Right. So they, they, that should be accessible. Right. Um, 
There is also a Facebook group. So I believe that the material that's in text format, that is accessible. Right. The Google Documents, um, I believe all of that text that is there should be accessible, but um, depending on the screen reader, um, right. it might behave differently if some of the uh, if the languages are switching in the middle of a sentence. So right. that might, I'm not sure if that might mispronounce words if, if they're being inserted in the languages. Um, but most of this content, I believe it should be accessible for the screen, screen readers. Mm. Okay, cool. Cause I know with, I know with most of them, they do, you can change the, the language in the, you know, to read whatever language. So if I'm doing Italian, it'll read it in Italian. Um, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, as long as it's iOS, um, it, they can pick up the language. Um, I mean, like, they can even pick up Tibetan. Okay. As long as it's written in that language. So, but if it's switching back and forth, if somebody's, like, leaving feedback in English, but they reference something that you said in Tibetan, they – so you might have a mix of two languages right. in the same sentence, but um, right. that that can happen if somebody's leaving feedback. Right. Yeah. Um. I I think I've had that before. I mean, it it just read the English mm-hmm. and then it goes back to reading the Tibetan. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And yes, you can definitely explain. Um. Leave a comment with a recording and say, uh, please. I don't. Separate the two languages if, if for for feedback or for reading of like oh okay here is comment in English or here is a comment in that um, that also depends on other people as well um, for example when I'm making recordings in Russian some native speakers just give me the feedback straight in Russian and sometimes for other learners who might be at a lower level they'll give them the feedback in English. Um, because they might not be sure if the, the, that person's level, uh, and if they understand the corrections. So. Right. Cause I know for me, like, I'm one of those people where I try to like build myself a nice vocabulary, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. prior to doing a challenge because that way I would rather them speak in the target language than speak in English because it throws me completely off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I've learned that after teaching myself Russian for two and a half years. I I would rather speak to someone that speaks Russian and no English than someone that speaks mm. Russian because that way I'm able to pull out of my head everything that I've learned. I'm forced to use the language itself. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've gone as far as to speak, like have a two-hour conversation with someone that only spoke uh, Russian and German. That's excellent. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So a lot of it is, you know, a lot of it's speaking. And like I do a lot of recording of myself or throwing stuff up just, you know, to keep myself accountable. And mm-hmm. then I did that for a whole year. And then I listened to material for a whole year just in the background. Um, I would have Putin stuff on like a state to state. That's like three and a half, four hours long. And I mean, you know, you can understand somebody when they're telling you that their whole town burnt down and that they don't have anywhere to live, mm-hmm. you know, in Russian. Mm-hmm. And you're crying because you cannot believe that this is what you're hearing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so, I mean, I've had those Eureka moments where, 
you have absorbed so much of the language that you can now understand what's being said. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, I don't know, I, I kind of felt like my brain clicked or something. Like yeah. It just popped. You felt it, like literally felt it. and was like, wait a minute. I understand this now. Mm-hmm. You know, It's not a foreign language anymore. I understand this. Yeah. Right. Just like with French and Italian, because I took Spanish and I'm fluent in it. Um, you know, I understand French and Italian at a very high level. I read The Godfather in Italian over the summer. That's cool. That's and it, cool. I never read it in English. But, I mean, I watch the movie so much, you can't help but know what went on. But, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was an amazing thing. It was 476 pages. And I was just like, this was so much fun. And, I mean, I read two other books in Italian this year. And, you know, I didn't think I would be able to get through a whole book. You know, because some people can't. You know, it's just too much. And um, I did, and I was very proud of myself. Because I was like, this is a goal. I want to get through a book or two this year. And I did. And then, you know, watching the news in French every day for like two to three hours and you understand everything that's going on because, you know, it's so similar to all the other romance languages that you've learned. Plus mm-hmm. there's English involved. So, I mean, a lot of it's the pronunciation, a little bit of the grammar, you know, everybody's like, well, you speak very good French and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, it, it still takes work and time. I still make mistakes, you know, and I tell my students that all the time, you you have to make mistakes or you're not going to improve. You're mm-hmm. just going to focus on the whole, I want to be perfect. And there's no such thing. Yeah, that's usually not a very productive approach. I think uh, a, a big part that I try to encourage in the speaking challenge is to embrace the mistakes, to use the mistakes as um, learning opportunities to see where are some of the weaknesses kind of um, right. kind of like crash test the language, um, right. see which things need to be reinforced or certain gaps in vocabulary need to be filled or strengthened. So right. um, mistakes end up being a good thing, not something necessarily to avoid or to be ashamed of. Yeah. Cause I have a god sister. She's half black, half Puerto Rican and her, she grew up with Spanish. She understands it very well, but she's afraid to speak it because she's afraid she's going to make mistakes and people are going to mm. make fun of her. And I said, you got to get your head out of that space or you're never going to be on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and, um, yeah, but I haven't talked to her in a couple months, but um, her mother and her aunt are um, going to buy the Michelle Thomas courses um, for um, Spanish. And um, because right now I'm working as a consultant with them, um, helping with um, the print side of accessibility because Mm -hmm. there's stuff within PDF. And when you have a screen reader, you can't read PDF. Oh, I see. Okay. You have to literally put it in either Safari for the Mac or iOS, or you got to put it in Windows Explorer. And when you have to open it up on the Internet, it's like, this is like, this sucks, you know, mm-hmm. you can't, you, you know, it just looks like a blank page if it's in any other, you know, in PDF or you have to have Adobe flash drive. I'm like, dude, nobody wants to go through all that. Yeah. So, it's a lot of obstacles right. or hurdles for just right. being excessive. Yeah. So, um, for, you know, like windows people, you can 
have a TXT file, you know, <laughs> a text file that, that's a lot more accessible. It can be downloadable, you know. Okay, if you have a JPEG file, all you're doing is scanning a page into your scanner and throwing it up on the, on the screen. Well, the screen reader and the Braille display, all is going to, both of those, it's just going to see a blank screen, a blank page. It's not going to mm-hmm. see what's on there unless someone yeah. types out what this looks like, mm-hmm. you know, in text. Otherwise, to describe what the picture is or whatever it is, you're not going to be able to know what that is. You're not going to be able to take part in the conversation. Yeah. yeah. And so I've had to educate everybody in the language learning community about that who has their own companies because everything is in PDF. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, you do realize you have rich text format for iOS and the Mac and you have text format for Windows and it's right there in front of you. All it does, all you got to do is copy it, you know, and make sure that you have downloadable versions for all three. That way, um, you know, it'll be accessible. You Because you never know what type of person you're going to get. No, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't feel comfortable disclosing their disability. Mm-hmm. And if they do disclose it and they say, well, I have a screen reader. Can this be accommodated? If the person's never dealt with someone that's using a screen reader or visually impaired or have no vision, it's very hard for them to, like, conceptualize it unless you put it in such plain language that they get it. And, I mean, I, I spent a lot of my time um, on the podcast explaining to people around the world, yes, blind people learn languages. They do a lot of it from audio. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people do have a Braille display. Some people don't have Braille displays because they are either go for as low as $600 dollars to like 10k and so and if you buy a ten thousand dollar braille display you're crazy um first of all it's the size of a piece of paper you can't take it anywhere um you know so you only use that if you had a desktop mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you wanted the whole page of, of print which if you take one page of print which is eight by ten you cut that in half that's two pages of braille so for every one page is two pages. Mm-hmm. So it takes up so much space. And so, um, you know, someone uh, did a speech on Braille last year at the Polyglot Conference, and they want to try to make a, a shorter version of it. And I admire their courage for wanting to tackle such a, a task. However, a lot of things were inaccurate. And mm-hmm. I, let, I actually had to let Richard know that. Like, they didn't know what a Braille writer was. They didn't know what a slate and stylus was. And um, they were calling it a Braille pencil, a pencil. And it wasn't a pencil. I know what a pencil looks like. Um, I mean, it, there was so many inaccuracies to that mm-hmm. presentation. I was so turned off by it. I had to let the person know, this is what this is, and you're inaccurate. You might want to mm. work for terminology when you're giving a subject matter such as Braille, the attention that it needs to be due. You can Anyone can go and study a subject, and anyone can go work for a company or a, a nonprofit organization working with blind and visually impaired people. But if you can't um, give the right terminology for what the things that you're using, 
and use you're giving inaccurate accounts of things that aren't true i i'm not going to take what you have to say seriously mm-hmm. i'm just going to be very offended by it because i know blind people can walk downstairs mm-hmm. and this person say well they're afraid to walk down no they're not who the hell have you been around i know mm-hmm. blind people they travel all over the world and they have guide dogs and canes and some people don't use them you know it just depends on the person and i said everyone's vision is different mm-hmm. and everyone's mm-hmm. learning style is different and i'm starting yeah. to see more people that have that are able-bodied who have neurological disabilities like add adhd asperger's adult autism mm-hmm. and so they have you know they're auditory or they're visual or they're a little bit of both but you can tell that they have a disability you know socially they're kind of a little withdrawn they're introverted but when it comes down to talking about languages they they come alive Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so i'm you know i see a lot of that and i've worked with a lot of people that have had developmental disabilities um where their communication skills were like one or two words at a time and you know they weren't able to have like clear concise conversations you know, you had to use finger spelling and you had to use gestures in front of them and you had to do hand over hand sign language and, you know, and they were very sweet people. You know, they, they couldn't help it. They couldn't communicate very well. And I've worked with that type of severity of, of disability. Um, and so when I see people in the language community, you know, um, who, you know, they're blind and they're learning these languages and or they have some other disability and they're learning these languages. It, it blows my mind, you know, to see what, you know, it's like night and day, mm-hmm. you know, um, because some of them live in environments where they're not able to get out, you know, because of whatever reason or, um, you know, so being able to learn a language or be a part of a community that's very welcoming is a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that when I'm interacting on social media, like Richard Simka, uh, he takes a lot of pictures. And mm-hmm. so what he, what he starts to do is when he knows I'm replying to something, he describes in words what that picture is. Even though I can see it, I can't see the small details. I see the bigger picture. I can't see the smaller mm-hmm. out of one mm-hmm. eye. So he'll, that's what he'll do for me. And I'll thank him. And people were like, well, that's sweet, because a lot of people don't take the time to do that. And he was like, well, she's visually impaired. She can't see all of that. She doesn't know what's over here. She's not here. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's a great thing when you can open the eyes of other people who don't happen to have your disability or someone else's disability, but they understand that your passion for what, for languages is so great. You know, you, you've never been to Iceland, so you don't know what it really looks like unless you watch mm-hmm. the documentary, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and even that's pre-recorded. So, you know, you're getting these pictures in real time. So for me, you know, I learned as much from you guys as you guys kind of learn from me and it's like a great wealth of information, mm-hmm. you know, that's freely shared. And the fact that your, your um, speaking challenge is free, that says a lot because I see a lot of these challenges, some of them, a lot of them are paid. And mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, 
well, I don't have $200 to do that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, I, de- I definitely can relate. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've taken a, taken part in a couple of those and, um, and then kind of realized what was, what was helping me get results and what did I get the most out of that and, and, uh, the community aspect was really mm-hmm. beneficial and mm-hmm. I was just kind of looking into, um, well, what can I bring to this, uh, community? Um, what can I, um, share? Uh, so, um, that's kind of how this got started about two and a half years ago. Um, I had taken part in the, add one challenge. Mm-hmm. I, I had done it twice back to back with Russian and then Greek. And um, if anybody is familiar with the add one challenge, one of the, um, one of the things in the format is that on day zero, day 30, day 60 and day 90, there are progress updates and recordings to see um, how much progress you've, you've made over the course of 30 days. Um, I decided to up my game. So at the end of one week, um, on day seven, I decided to start making those progress updates on a daily basis. Right. So I was able to keep a streak of about a hundred days. So even after the challenge that I was working on for Russian had stopped, uh, after day 90, I was just, I got myself into a daily habit. Um, and that's really what I would say was the, the basis for this mm-hmm. 30 day speaking challenge was just, mm-hmm. I realized that recording myself every day was very beneficial. Um, and a lot of people, at least within the ad one community, they started to do something similar where they said, oh, okay, I'm going to start recording myself each day and sharing it either on YouTube or maybe SoundCloud or what other recording um, platform they wanted to use this for. And and then a year went by. Um, I kind of had some ups and downs with motivation and consistency and my study routines. And then um, on a whim, a friend of mine told me that he was also studying Russian and I said, hey, do you want to just do a challenge where we record ourselves for 30 days? And he said, sure. Yeah, why not? And then I decided to recruit other people in a couple of these um, Facebook groups and said, like, hey, I'm going to be recording myself for the next 30 days. Who wants to join us? And people said, huh, that sounds cool. Well, let's try it out. And we just kept going. People liked it that month, so we did a second month, and then we did a another month, and now we're in month number thirty in a row. Oh, that's like freaking awesome! Now you can join this challenge if you don't, if you're just like a beginner. You can, in theory, yes. Um, from what I've seen on my side from organizing it, right. um, this challenge. Probably not the best situation for a completely brand new language for somebody who hasn't studied languages before. Right. If, if somebody is an experienced language learner, if they've right. like, I don't know, dabbled in a couple 
other languages and they and they right. they know their learning style and they know what they're capable of, right. then they can go ahead and, and start a new language from scratch if they have the motivation, if they have the resources that they can work with. And and right. they're using the challenge as a supplement. If right. if somebody is using this as their only means of learning the language, they might end up being a little frustrated or due to limited vocabulary or a lack of familiarity with grammatical structures um, because the, the topics can be varied uh, from one day to the next. So right. it's kind of keeping you on your toes. You do have about a 24 hour, 48 hour advance notice of what's coming up next in terms of the questions or topics. But for somebody who's at a complete beginner level, it could be, it could be a little frustrating, but I also welcome people to completely change the topics and, and talk about complete, something different or take something from their language book or their language guide to say, okay, describe your house in a few adjectives or um, name 10 actions you do on a daily basis. So you can definitely use the speaking challenge as a platform for practicing, but that's going to require a little bit of self-motivation and additional resources to have vocabulary, have a phrase guide, um, maybe have a group lesson with a teacher or maybe an online tutor um, but only using the speaking challenge as a way to get started, it it might not be the best um, right. way to take advantage of the challenge. But somebody who's gotten up to like an A2 or a, or a B1 and um, maybe their language has gotten a bit rusty from lack of practice or they want to level up and just like really solidify what they've read and listened to and what they're able to write and they just need a kind of a boost to their confidence for speaking, then in that case, the speaking challenge does help a lot of people and they'll participate um, several months in a row or they might take a break and come back. But um, that usually helps a lot of people um, level up for a month or two or three. Right. Because I was just curious about that because I, I thought about doing it, but then I realized that my freaking schedule is so tight because I just started working for the Michelle Thomas method last week. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm consulting with them. I'm sitting up here interviewing people for my podcast show mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm sitting up here learning Japanese, Arabic and Hindi. So you've got your hands full. Yeah. And I'm sitting here, have to review all this. Stuff. I mean, thank God I can take my time and there's no time mm-hmm. limit, but mm-hmm. you know, if I wanted to brush up on my French or I wanted to brush up on my Dutch, you know, or my Italian even, I probably would use it for that, those reasons just because I would want it. But then, you know, there are other languages I dabbled in where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to do, you know. And um, because I, my method is I'll use Michelle Thomas first if the language is supported by them. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go on to something like Mango. And then I will, like, kind of reinforce what I learned from them to see if there's a matchup uh, as far as the material. And just to test myself to make sure I know it. And then mm-hmm. if there's stuff that they have in their stuff that I don't have in Michelle Thomas, then that, that works. And then I'll go to, like, the Pod 101 series, which mm-hmm. I have all their, their stuff downloaded. Like, I have the app. 
but I have mm-hmm. like all the languages I want with all the material downloaded from pronunciation all the way to advanced. So then that way the, you know, the whatchamacallit subscription expires, I still get all the information. Mm-hmm. So I'll do that and, you know, if I know what I want to say, I'll work on that. Like if I want to go out to lunch, order some food, that's what I'll work on. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I have basic conversation. My name is blah, blah, blah. And and it gives me, you know, motivation to be able to do it, you know, that way. Um, You know, work on small little goals like that per mm-hmm. language instead of, oh, my God, I got to, you know, because I can do the immersion method without going to the country. And I can do it for like three hours at a time listening to like the foundation course three and a half hours and then after that my brain is you know like a sponge so i have to take a break and then i'll come back and i'll do the rest and then i'll throw up a video to say this is what i learned in seven hours Mm -hmm. you know and so um for me i thought about that like you know what i really want to focus on my italian a little bit more but i want to do it you know i want to see how much progress i can get um you know as far as like being able to answer questions and you know in the language every day something different you know increase my vocabulary some more um you know because my listening comprehension is very good mm-hmm. it's it's the speaking practice i need more of so i said well maybe i will do a 30-day challenge to see mm-hmm. how, how far i can get my because I, my aim is to get to like a b1 mm-hmm. And I know people are like, well, you're at like an A2. I'm like, yeah, but I don't feel like I'm at it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, the sub sub perception can always be a little tricky. Of um, so, sometimes with the recordings I make, I I would consider myself at a lower level, and then I go to speak and improvise something. And then I get feedback saying like, well, that was really good. I don't have any corrections to make. And I realize like, seriously, I, I thought that was full of mistakes. So, so sometimes the self perception can be a little tricky on our, on our language level or the, the range of vocabulary. So it really does help to make some of these recordings and get access to feedback or, Right. Um, contact with natives or, or more advanced learners to say like, hey, you're you're on the right track. You're doing a good job. Sometimes the kind of pat on the back can really help um, kind of make you aware of how much progress you've made. Yeah, because I noticed I, I do like I'm in Jessica Brown's um, Facebook group for um, Japanese. Mm-hmm. So I'll go up there and I'll I'll just do a video. And I, I have this method where I do not let any language that I have learned, whether it's a dabble of it or like A1, A2, interfere while I'm speaking in the language. I mm-hmm. mostly stay in the target language. No English, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And it, it forces me to really concentrate on what I need to say mm-hmm. mentally. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to get there. Trust me. And so... Um, I speak nothing but Japanese and I know sometimes, okay, I got to remember the verb is at the end and then I got to make sure I have the marker here. And then, okay, this is what this marker means this. And I mean, you know, I try mm-hmm. to make sure mm-hmm. that I'm, I have it all together before I even say anything mm-hmm. mentally in my head. 
um, because I visualize it in my head after I'm listening to it and repeating it several times to make sure I have it correct, you know, because um, I'm using Michelle Thomas to learn it. And so um, I'll listen to the teacher, not so much the students, because, you know, they, they're going to mess up. And I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to feel like I'm being thrown off. I see. Yeah. Because I, this is like language five and six for me with Michelle Thomas. Mm-hmm. Start off with Russian, Dutch, French, and Italian. So now I'm on Egyptian, Arabic, and, 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 and Japanese. So, I mean, for me, I'll throw up videos on Facebook and like Ollie's group or my group or any other group and start speaking right away in the target languages. And I'll switch from one language to another. Mm-hmm. It's effortless. I, I practice doing that because I, you know, I wanted, I might make mistakes while I'm speaking, but I'm, I'm doing it. I'm speaking. So, um, is there like a time limit, like for the, the, the recordings? Like, is it like three minutes, five minutes? Um, well, that's a, it's a very good question because sometimes we go back and forth about like what's an ideal length um because people also would like to get feedback and the thing is that if something is a very long video like if it's 10 minutes or more then that's also perhaps a bit demanding on a listener um so a shorter a shorter recording if it's like two three minutes is probably a sweet spot where somebody can commit as a listener to two three minutes if something starts to go like one of the recording tools we use is called SpeakPipe Voice Recorder. That uh-huh. has a five-minute time limit built in, and I would say five minutes is probably a it's, it's a it's it's a chunk, yeah, to listen to. Um, I also do exam preparation English lessons. I work with the TOEFL, and mm-hmm. there those auto recordings for those students. Uh, these personal questions, these personal experience or opinion questions. They're usually 45 seconds maximum. Um, Sometimes those questions where they need to report on something they read and listened to, that's one minute maximum. So, um, so part, part of the speaking challenge has been somewhat inspired by some Mm -hmm. of those uh, recordings that students have to make on English exams like the TOEFL. So uh, finding a sweet spot around a minute to two minutes, three minutes is probably you're able to express your idea on something. You're able to expand on it a little bit more. Um, right. But if you want feedback, then going beyond a couple minutes, that's asking a lot of a listener. And maybe somebody, if they know that they can talk forever, they might start rambling. Um, and if you have a tighter time limit, that can force you to highlight the key ideas, the essential ideas, and just stick to that. Right. I mean, because I know, like, with Russian, I mean, I don't know how you felt about it, but the case mm-hmm. system was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. You know. It took, yeah, it took my head. Like, I, I, I joke that with um, doing practice sessions right. with uh, language partners and, and at 5.30 in the morning before I used to go to the office, right. I, I used to joke that it was much more stimulating than drinking a cup of coffee. Uh, trying to <laughs> conjugate a verb and try to decline a noun and an adjective in the different cases. So it really forced me to turn my brain on, um, so early in the morning. But, um, yeah, the cases, the, 
it's a lot. It's a lot to handle. Right. And I mean, half the time you're talking in the present anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, oh, well, are you going by foot? Are you going by the Okay, I don't drive. Okay. I take the after busy. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, are you going one way? Are you going multiple directions? Are you coming yeah. back? Are you stopping are you, by there? Are you going inside? Doing, <laughs> are you doing piety? Are you doing ninety? Are you doing? Oh God! Yeah. I'm like, what the? You know, I mean, <laughs> and it was just so much. I mean, it wasn't hard to remember the endings for certain things. I mean, I still do, but it's like, how much of this are you? Yeah, I mean, I got happy when I could actually speak to someone for two hours, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. have a headache. Yeah, yeah. Now with Spanish, that was another story. I had a headache after speaking with someone from Mexico for two hours. Because mm-hmm. I hadn't done it like that in so long, mm-hmm. or like ever, to be honest. It was just, it was, an, I mean, I had a headache. It took two hours for me to come down from that headache. Mm-hmm. And that's all bad. And Stephen Crashing, when I interviewed him back in June, late June, he said the reason why I had a headache was because, okay, I was forcing myself to speak a language that I wasn't comfortable speaking. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, yeah, because I, I don't feel comfortable speaking Spanish. Um, I like to sing in Spanish. I just don't like to speak it. And so, um, like, with, with all the other languages that I'm studying, I don't care. I'll speak them all day long. But I think it might be because of the fact that I have such a passion for those languages. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As opposed to, like, if you just, you're just doing it because you need it for a degree requirement. It's not. It's not your you know, life force. You know, you don't wake up wanting to eat, drink, and sleep it every day. You, mm-hmm. You're just doing it because you need it for a grade. You know? Yeah, I think it's important to, like, make that distinction between this uh, extrinsic influence or factor or this intrinsic where, um, like, if if you're being motivated or obligated, there might be some pushback um, you might not really engage in that language, whereas if it if you can turn it into something intrinsic where you're you enjoy this, you're motivated to dedicate some time to it, then um, it's no longer a burden. It becomes a pleasure and you're, you're more likely to keep going or um, probably avoid that that headache if you can en- enjoy this and want to dedicate the time to that study. Now, I I was just curious, like. Like, what's your routine like, you know, for those people who, like, if you were to, like, start a language or, you know, the process of, of wanting to learn something, I mean, what materials do you use? I mean, do you, like, use a teacher stuff or Ossimale Fimbler or Michelle Thomas? So you mean for, for my own learning or for yeah. coaching? Oh, for your own, for your own. For my own, it's, um, it's kind of crazy lately, but, um, Mostly, um, I'm sticking to the speaking challenge to have access to like recording myself in Russian, but mm-hmm. I recognize that um, I do need to supplement this. So um, if if I'm stuck on my phone, there's lots of distractions for you know, social media messages, email updates. So I do need to figure out a way to get something off of the phone and somewhere else. So that could be, uh, for example, maybe using the TuneIn 
app or the radio. We we have an Echo Dot in the house, the Alexa, so I can yeah. sometimes try to find some audio material that I can listen to just to keep the language active in the background. Um, otherwise, uh, like news websites, so I can maybe read a news article in Russian, um, also listen to it. So if I can read something first, get familiar mm-hmm. with what is trending in the headlines, mm-hmm. and then go follow that up with listening to like a news flash, uh, a news update, like an hourly update or something that would cover some familiar material. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like not exactly laddering in terms of the two languages, but I mm-hmm. like laddering in terms of familiar content. So uh, if I, if I start off with something I can read and to become familiar with that information, then I'll take it a step up and start to listen to it. Um, hear somebody talk about that, see if I can recognize what I had already read, and then mm-hmm. probably take that a step further, write about it, um, take some notes on what I already read and what I heard, and then the last step would be to speak about that and, and try to summarize or paraphrase what I had had done step by step to get those skills to kind of work together. Um, and that's also an opportunity to expand the vocabulary to Mm -hmm. see like, oh, okay, I read this word, then I heard it used in another way, so that could be part of an idiomatic expression. Maybe it was um, conjugated in a different tense, Um, and then try to adapt it to my own use, try to make my own sentences with those words, Um, Mm -hmm. use some of the patterns that I saw in reading and listening, try to practice that in writing, Maybe put that on something like italki, where you can get feedback from a native speaker. And then when I get those corrections, go try to speak about it. And then additionally, like in the speaking challenge, there would be feedback. Um, I've been lucky to get some feedback from from some native speakers for Russian. So I would definitely do it in steps of Mm -hmm. familiarity with the topic um, and just see what I know about a certain topic, find things that I'm interested in first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I'm likely to be able to talk about in a conversation. That is awesome because I, when I was learning Russian, evidently um, I had gotten used to. I started getting used to podcasts, so I found the Russian Made Easy by Mark Thompson, and I did that those thirty lessons in like a week. Then mm-hmm. I decided to do uh, Michelle Thomas, and I found that on YouTube first, and then I bought the actual digital copy of iTunes and you know I used that along with memories I did like six six let you know they had year one so I did like six years of of nothing but you know memories courses for Russian Mm -hmm. and I did nothing but speak and listen all the time to people and I just made recordings of me speaking Mm. and it got better and better and better and better to the point where um, I met a friend last summer and he was improving his English and so I would speak to him in English and then he would stop me and force me to speak Russian (laughs) and we spoke for three months and I got to speak to his mother his mother like pretty much adopted me in our family so so I I, and I tell my friends if you make friends with Russians they're your friends for life (laughs) so so, um, yeah 
they want me to come and visit in Moscow. And um, I just did nothing but listen. And I listened to RT. Yeah. And then I would listen to uh, a podcast called Radio Roca. Um, mm-hmm. It was a political podcast. And I did listen to Radio Svoboda, but I, after finding out it was from the opposition, I turned it off. Cause... Mm-hmm. And then um, I did that. Um, I don't know if you listen to BBC Russian. I've I've listened to a couple of those ones. There's some, uh, I think there's like Piatti Etage. I think there was something I listened to with that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some interesting material there as well on BBC. Yeah, and then uh, SBS Radio has a good one too um, for Russian. And um, I did all that, and I just did a lot of listening. And I, I listened to Harry Potter, mm-hmm. um, some of it, and um, I found this one author... He did the Metro books. Um, it's like a science fiction um, mm. story. It's like real short. And his name is Dimitri something. I forgot what his last name is. But I'm not Russian. familiar. Um, but, but I did that, and then I fell in love with Andre Zajinsev's movie. So I have Elena and Leviathan and Loveless, and I watched all his movies in Russian. And, you know, oh. anything, you know, that he's made, He's only made like five movies so far. But I, I found things that were interesting to me when it came to Russian. And I even went as far as to make borscht and Olivia salad from scratch. <laughs> so, uh, you're so, very motivated. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it took me like two and a half years to really become proficient. I mean, whenever Steve Kaufman says, you realize your Russian is really good. I'm like, you know, because I don't take myself that seriously. You know, I just <laughs> enjoy doing it for the sure fact <laughs> of communicating with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was like, do you know how to curse in Russian? I was like, I know the curse words, but I would never use them. <laughs> you know, because I don't care what the language is. There is a certain level of formality mm-hmm. when it comes down to speaking a language. Like, I find that I'm totally different when I'm speaking Russian than I am when I'm speaking my native tongue. Mm-hmm. And so I would never curse in Russian because I don't want to use something out of context mm-hmm. and then sound offensive and rude. Mm-hmm. You know, even yeah. though they do curse, mm-hmm. but it's just the point that I would never call someone certain words. Mm-hmm. That's not appropriate. So I, what I might say in Spanish and English might be totally different than what I would say in Russian or French or whatever language I'm speaking, because mm-hmm. I'm also looking at the cultural side of it yeah. and, and how people behave. You know, I mean, if I went to Russian, I wouldn't be your typical tourist because I understand Yes, I gotta contact the police to let them know that I'm in their country, just in case something goes down. You gotta mm-hmm. register. You know, you mm-hmm. gotta make sure you have your passport and your your visa with you, and you gotta make sure that you know your landlord knows and all this type of stuff. And the laws are different, and mm-hmm. you know, people don't realize that they go over these countries and they don't take stock of. Oh, I just want to speak like, uh, are you sure about that? You need to know what you're getting yourself into because yeah, yeah. the laws are totally different in everyone else's backyard. Yeah. Especially if you're a woman, you know. But I just had a blind friend that came back from Russia, and they said they loved it. They said they they were treated so well over there. It wasn't even funny. And uh, so I said, you got to come on my show to tell me about it because I, I can't wait to hear it. Because I haven't heard that many blind people that have gone over to Russia independently by themselves. Mm-hmm. So for my listeners, I think this will be a great um, opportunity for them to be able to hear something like that. I mean, blind people travel all over the world, but to hear that someone went for 
these reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, it it says a lot, you know. And so I said that is still my dream to go to St. Petersburg and Moscow and, you know, have a conversation in Russian and meet the friends that I have on Facebook. And, you know, I've been invited to people's houses and stuff. And, oh, you'll be real fluent by the time you laugh. And I'm like, I would just, I wouldn't speak English while I was there. I would just speak the language. That would be cool. Yeah. 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 So um, I'm just curious. Do you have any um, final advice? Um, Just whatever language you're dabbling in or interested in, um, don't leave speaking practice to be neglected. I, with the 30 day speaking challenge, you're welcome to join and practice for 30 days, but it's also possible to make a recording every other day. So it's a challenge to do it every day. Um, even for myself, there are certain months where I struggle, but, um, it's, it's a challenge, but it, it's something that's kind of encouraging people to create a daily habit when possible. Um, but doing more than zero, is definitely um, a benefit. So um, whatever you can start to work on, that's enough to get started. Now, if anyone wanted to contact you, where can they reach you? Like so, yeah, my, my website is Huggins International. That's H-U-G-G-I-N-S International, all together, dot com. Um, and on Facebook... There's a page as well for Huggins International. Um, on Instagram, I'm teaching English under the handle of English dot with dot Jonathan. And, uh, uh, that's, yeah, the most, most places where I spend time online. Oh, well, thank you for letting me have a chat with you and for my, this is a pleasure. Yeah. No, you, um, because I know it's been a minute since you've been on Chris's program, like a hot minute. <laughs> um, so, oh, I had to ask, what was Langfest like? It was wonderful. That was my first language event to go to um, internationally. And it was also my first opportunity to give a presentation. And uh, that went very well. Um, so I, I talked about the 30-day speaking challenge and invited a lot of people to um, uh, figure out how to get more speaking practice as a daily habit and a lot of the benefits um, of doing that and a lot of the mental obstacles uh, for that. So um, I met a lot of these people that you've mentioned, um, like meeting them on from knowing them online. So I met uh, Chris in person, um, met Kirsten Cable in person. She had been a, a big influence for me uh, when I was coming online three years ago and with her podcast and um, another online language teacher, uh, Maria Ortega Garcia. Um, mm-hmm. She also did a presentation with Kirsten, and that was a, a real pleasure to meet both of them in person. There were also a lot of people who have already participated in the speaking challenge, and I got a chance to finally meet them in person. Um, I could put a face to their voice um, and get a chance to hang out together um, and you know, pick their mind on, pick their brain to know like 
what do you like about the challenge? What can we do to keep improving it and kind of brainstorming with them, masterminding with them. And, um, so yeah, it was, is incredible. There was a lot of, um, other language influencers, bloggers, people I got a chance to meet in person. And I, yeah, I've, I'm hooked now. I really want to go to the, another event. Um, I definitely want to go back to Langfest, uh, next year and hopefully, um, Hopefully in the next coming months, I can go to another event, maybe in Europe. Yeah, because I know Polyglot Gathering is going to be in Poland next year in May. And then I also know that they're doing um, the conference next month in um, Japan. In Japan, yeah, yeah. And um, I, I told Richard, I said, I wish I can go. Unfortunately, I mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot of money to go all the way Japan. It's like a, almost a thousand dollars. Yeah. I think that's why they change it every year. So to see kind of who is, who's it accept accessible to for different, um, for different locations. So I think yeah. going from like Iceland, Greece, Japan, just moving around. Um, but, um, have you been to Langfest before? Mm-hmm. No, I I actually want to go next year. Well, I have to mm-hmm. first. I have to get my passport because I don't have mm-hmm. one. Okay. But I plan on doing it probably by Christmas, and then mm-hmm. and then um, I actually might submit a proposal to see if I can speak at Langfest. Um, that would be great. Yeah, they're very supportive. Um, Joey and Tetsu and Nicola. Um, so yeah, they're they're a great mix of people organizing events. Um, yeah, yeah, they they take presentations probably early. Next year, probably between yeah. January and March, probably right. submit yeah. something and then hear back if if they like the topic. Right, because um, I've interviewed Tetsu before. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, he was like, "You should come." <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. and I was like "You should you should go and speak." And I was like, "Because everybody wants me to speak, and people even like Dane Prime's like, I would jump on a plane and hear you speak." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I said, "I would," you know, because I, you know, if. People know me from Facebook and know about my my story and, and, and throwing up videos and and all this, you know, my language learning journey and me being visually impaired and learning languages. And people are like, well, how do you learn multiple languages at the same time? I'm like, well, it's not hard. It re- mm-hmm. I mean, okay, I like to learn. Mm-hmm. And so what I think people tend to forget is that I don't let the constraints of the language itself or what material I have or don't have get in the way of me learning something. If mm-hmm. I really want it bad enough, I will do it. Like I don't allow any of that to, to, you know, constrain me at all. Um, I'm very passionate about learning period. Just, it doesn't matter what the subject is. So I've always been that way. I've been an avid learner and because I learn everything by ear, mm-hmm. you know, to me, it doesn't seem that difficult to be able to try to speak something, especially if you're used to, you know, you're, you're a minority. So you want to be able to learn about someone else's culture that who's a minority mm-hmm. in their own right. And, and for me, I like being around people. So even if I learn how to say, um, Kalasas Mira, Apoto America, Malina Chanel, P. Yeniste, Audio sus in Greek. I mean, okay, yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, like I can follow I mean, a little bit about that. Yeah. Right, right. So, I if I can say good morning, 
How mm-hmm. are you? Um, you know, good good night, goodbye. You know, I'm from America, whatever. My name is Chanel. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's a little bit of Greek. I mean, you know, I wouldn't know that if I would have taken a chance and, and tried it. You know, so for me personally, it's like it's like a treasure chest of, 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 you know, experience and, and, you know, just allowing myself to absorb the information and whatever comes out, whatever comes out. Um, you know, I mean, I, I see a lot of people, they, they try to like make their speaking, like they need to be perfect. And Mm -hmm. even if you're a native English speaker, your English isn't perfect. Your grammar isn't going to be perfect either. You know, so just relax and, you know, let the chips lie where they fall and enjoy the process. You know, don't try to put so much pressure on trying to perform, mm-hmm. you know. And so I said, for me, you know, I'm learning Arabic and Japanese right now. I don't have them confused because I'm at the same level in both of them. But, you know, because I, I have goals in mind as to what I want to achieve with these languages, it's a little bit different as opposed to I'm learning this language. I can't find any type of material in audio format. There's nothing available. I need help. Mm-hmm. That's when the frustration comes because not everything is accessible. Yeah. So, so, but I mean, I've had people that have been very kind to, to give me recommendations, books, all kinds of stuff, you know, that's accessible. And, you know, I mean, I, I take a risk because you don't know if you're going to like it or not. Um, you know, so I said, if I know just a little bit of Greek, I'm happy with that. If I know just a little bit of this, I'm happy with that. Because you never know who you're going to come into contact with. Mm-hmm. So I look at it in that regards. And as long as I'm having fun with it, that's what matters to me. And if I can find Harry Potter in that book, you know, that book in that language, that's fine too. Um, I mean, I'm actually purposely learning a little bit of Danish, mm-hmm. just because if I um, talk to Chris Brohom, um, I want to actually say something in Danish. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it doesn't have to be like a total com- whole conversation, just an introductory thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I mean, I can understand Danish, I just can't speak it. So, um, for me, you know, um, I just tell people, you know, I, I just do what I do. You know, I just do a lot of listening. Um, and I like to speak a lot. And so, you know, I actually recommend it to my students this morning that they go on your site or they, they Google you mm-hmm. and, and, they, and they go join your challenge to get more speaking practice for free. You know, um, because they're looking for people to practice Hindi with and in Japanese. And there is a, a speaker that's from Palestine, but he speaks Arabic and English, but he wants to learn Spanish and Japanese, I believe. But mm-hmm. he doesn't, he's not an independent didactic learner. Okay. He wants someone to feed him the language. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. said, well, that might not work. You might have to pay somebody for that. So... I mean, because he knows nothing. No words, no phrases, nothing. He starts from zero. Mm-hmm. So, so I said, 
you know, you might want to start listening to stuff so you can get the sounds in your head and, and, and learn some things first before you start wanting to have a conversation with no, no words. Because that, that's time consuming. You know, you literally would have to have somebody, um, you know, I, basically, I think he just wants someone to teach him the language. Yeah. The language is to be acquired, not taught. Yeah, there needs to be that motivation to kind of explore it, discover it. Um, Right, right. Because he's he's blind, so I believe that his method of choice is probably audio. But he, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to work with you. And Well, can we talk? Well, you don't know an ounce of the language. We can't have a conversation. We can't. It'll be yeah. very limited, yeah. Right. I mean, because I'm the one speaking. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't even like speaking Spanish all like that. So I, I had to find someone to help him because otherwise, you know, I, I have, I'm too busy. I've got a podcast show. I'm mm-hmm. doing all this stuff. I have reviews to do, people to interview, students to work with. I just don't have time. You know, i got 10 chat groups going at the same time on WhatsApp and Facebook. My own personal page, my group page. Yeah, I like to see how I'm supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> but you need thank, a team. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much. I hope to see you next year at Langpass. Totally Likewise. Awesome. Likewise, it would be great to, to meet. And thank you again for this opportunity to, to talk with you on your, on your, on your show and hear a little bit about your journey as well. Um, and hear about all these languages that you're, you're learning that um, so it's a real big inspiration as well to to hear what you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, I you know, I didn't even know if people would listen to me and what I have to say, you know, because it's my first time going into podcasting. And I've been doing it for, what, 16 months now? Mm. So, so, I mean, it's been about, I would say, 14 months since I started interviewing people. And wow. I, I didn't know if anyone was going to say yes. You know, I was very apprehensive. I, but when people started saying yes, like Kirsten and Lindsay and Shannon Kennedy and Tetsu and Jimmy mm-hmm. Mello and Vladimir Spolchetti and Ollie Richards and all these other people, you know, and then I was starting to get, like, people like Dr. Crash and Steve Carter wow. cool. and Alex and, and Richard and, you know, I, I was like, well, evidently, there's something about me that they liked enough to take the time to talk to me. So, mm-hmm. so you know, I'm very grateful. And I mean, I, I follow Kirsten a lot. And I actually, my first uh, polyglot event was Women in Language this year. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I spoke for six minutes um, in lightning round. And so, oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. And, and I was very... Um, well, I was a little nervous, but, um, you know, I got to meet more people that I wouldn't have met otherwise, you know, and interview more people and make friends. And it was just a, such a great thing. And Kirsten and Lindsay and Shannon have been very supportive. And yes. Ollie, yeah. Chris Perholm, and all of them have been 100% supportive. I mean, I, the people I have in my group, I mean, it's unreal, like the polyglots that have joined to help support what I'm doing. And, I'm very a very blessed person. I mean, I being visually impaired all your life and 
graduating from college and film school and getting teaching certification to teach English and being denied jobs because I have a disability, you know, and then I said, mm. you know what, I can create my own thing. Yeah. So I just started, you know, my show and then I started my chat groups and then I started my page and now I'm doing consultation for the Michelle Thomas method and interviewing, you know, people that have recorded the, you know, recordings of the, the languages and, you know, actually get to say thank you for making this material, you know, because it helped me learn six languages. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, the fact that 110 people trust me every day to help guide them on their own language learning path using only audio materials. That says something to me, uh, you know, a great deal. And it, mm-hmm. it really does warn me to know that people like what they hear from me. So, mm-hmm. you know, it keeps me that that all that keeps me extremely motivated when, you know, you, you, you have haters. <laughs> so, so hopefully not many. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, trust me, I just block these people. <laughs> but, but at the same not time, not worth the time. Right. And I mean, I've never felt more at home. And, you know, everyone's like, well, you're a part of the Polyglot family. Chanel, we want you to come to Brussels. We want you to come here. I'm like, okay, I need mucho dinero, <laughs> a place to crash. And I was like, I will cook someone food if, to say thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was like, man, your food is so good. It looks so good. Can I come over to your house? I'm like, you got a way over here? <laughs> she was like, <laughs> but you know, and and I that's I think that's the difference between me and a lot of the other groups is that you know they're selling products, you know, like books and courses and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And with me, I'm just I'm not selling anything. I'm just sharing my love for languages and trying to help people along the way learn languages in a fun and free, stress-free way. Mm-hmm. You know. And I don't mind if I have to use food as an example or movies or books or TV or whatever it is that I can get my hands on to show, yes, you're learning about the culture. Go ahead and throw up a recipe as long as you have it in English or you have it in whatever the language is, you know, mm-hmm. you know, go in and start speaking. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, people were happy I created chat groups mm-hmm. because before that, nobody was creating chat groups with their, their, their pages. They were just having pages based off of their podcast. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you know, I kind of feel like I'm breaking ground on a lot of levels. And I'm my whole thing is, you know, I want everybody to feel, you know, like they belong in, you know, a very safe environment where they're not being bullied or verbally abused. Yeah. Or, you know, because that a lot of that's going on in a lot of the bigger polyglot groups. And. I was like, you know, you can have all the admins and all the moderators in the world, but you kind of got to have filters because, you know, you got some people out there that are, you know, very promiscuous. And I mean, mm-hmm. I had to get someone out of my group because they were putting pictures up that weren't appropriate. They were talking about things that weren't related. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I had to take three people out of my group just for that reason. And, I was like, religion's not allowed. Politics isn't allowed. Sexual harassment's not allowed. This isn't mm-hmm. allowed. You know, and my admins and moderators are very good at, um, you know, 
be my eyes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That I can't see yeah. this mm-hmm. detail oriented. And so yeah. I have a few sighted people who have helped me out with certain things because my technology doesn't always want to work. Mm-hmm, so I was like, mm-hmm. can you take this person out or can you do this? Because instant messenger, even when you're doing a chat group, sometimes the buttons don't want to work with voiceover and you got to turn it off and then you got to turn it back on. And mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just a headache. And then there's certain things where if you want to add people or you want to find people in the, in the list of people that you have in the chat group, it's not accessible with the, with the screen reader. So you have to have mm-hmm. someone decided to go and do it for you. So it, it, there are some challenges with it. Mm-hmm. So, but everybody's like very welcoming, very open, very understanding, very respectful to each other. And my friend said, do you understand what you just did? You just created a community where blind and sighted people are working together to learn. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not mm-hmm. something that happens every day. And I mm-hmm. said, of course it's not. But you, they're from all over the world. You know, so people got different religions, different political views, you know, but the commonality is that they love languages. And so that's more important than the religious aspect, the political aspect, so forth mm-hmm. and so on. So, you know, and, and they really enjoy the groups. You know, Moses McCormick and Stu J and David James and Tetsu mm-hmm. and Jimmy and Chris and uh, Richard. Uh, there's a few other people that's in there. George Makins. And, um, there's a, a few more people, highly profile. And, you know, I they've been very supportive of, of what it is I'm doing. Um, you know. Uh, now I will say there are a few people I've met, not in person but online, that are somewhat on a narcissistic track. Mm-hmm. You know, because they, they're not accustomed to dealing with someone that's visually impaired, so they automatically assume that because you have a vision problem, there's something wrong with your brain. So mm-hmm. I've, had, I've had to like, kind of like block them. Um, but aside from that, you know, I've I've got nothing but love and encouragement and. I'm very happy that I'm able to provide a service where people can hear about people's stories and hear about my story. Like I'm, I'm 12 countries away from having a, my show in a hundred countries around the world. Oh, wow. So wow. And I, I'm really shocked by that. Like it's 33 States in the U S out of 50 in like 20, um, 88 countries. And I mean, I was just shocked. You know, how many people were listening to me in each country? Like a hundred plus. I'm like, in the UK alone, I'm like four away from like 300 people. Mm-hmm. You know? So I'm just like, oh, wow, I am making an impact. You know, because you don't really think about it like that. You know, before I started checking my analytics, I had no idea how big I had gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and everybody's like, I want to meet you. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> but. Um, you have to get a crowd fund for uh, your next trip to get you to to speak in, you know, in Poland or or Langfest or Brussels or yeah, yeah. definitely that de- definitely get your your audience to help you out. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think I might start that because now because it is well, I mean, I live in Ohio, and Montreal isn't that far, but it's just the point like. Um, a friend of mine has her own, she works for a travel agency. 
Mm-hmm. So she told me, let her know, and she'll help me with um, making sure I get a good deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, we got to start during Christmas. How's that sound? You know, and and I tell people I do this. Everything I'm doing, I'm there's no money involved. You know, it's social media. You know, and I put my stuff up on Anchor, and so you know, I'm not. Um, I'm not paying for hardly anything, um, pretty much. So what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people understand that. Um, you know, I don't have any editors. I mean, this whole conversation that's being recorded is going out in about two weeks. Because I just put out an episode yesterday with um, the publishing director of the Michelle Thomas Method and Teach Yourself, Sarah Cole. And oh, Sarah, okay. So um, that's out, and then I've got to do um, next week's episode is going to be a review for the intermediate um, Japanese course. So I used to do two episodes, and now because I'm doing all this stuff, I had to break it down to one, and and that's fine because that way it gives the listeners time to to build up and listen to the episode. So I'm ranging anywhere between 30 listeners a week, almost 40. 40 listens per episode, depending mm-hmm. on the, the topic and the interest. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, um, I have about 9.4K listeners right now. I'm almost up to 10K. Um, so I'm, I'm quite happy with that. I mean, some people might not see that as a significant number. But for me, that is a significant number. It's growing. Yeah, you're growing and helping people. I think each person counts. Um, it's very similar, I would say, with... I'm looking at some of the analytics I see for the speaking challenge and which countries um, are where are people coming from and joining and what target languages they're learning and and also where are they hearing about the challenge. So it's right. it's really nice to hear the the word of mouth and it's also nice to see. Um, well, I just googled thirty day. English challenge and your site came up and so that's cool to see SEO is working, um, which means it's reaching even more people possibly right. than, than word of mouth alone. But, um, yeah, if I can help someone boost their speaking and, and get more confident with speaking, uh, then, then the challenge is working and it's helping. So, um, so I'm, I'm really happy to hear when, Somebody with a kind of a similar mindset, and, and if for your podcast, it's it's helping people. Then, uh, yeah, you're definitely having a positive impact and um, promoting language learning. So keep up uh, what you're doing. Thank you so much. Yes, I have to go because my dog is now pacing back and forth. It's time for him to eat. <laughs> but I want to thank you, and I want to oh, thank you, my yeah. listeners from around the world. I'll remember you guys to subscribe. Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you find podcasts at. And remember, language learning is a journey, not a race. Enjoy the process. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe. Give me a rating and review because God knows I need it. I want to thank the new people who are listening. I want to thank the old people for sticking with me. I want to thank Jonathan Huggins for being on the show. And um, I will see you guys in the next episode of the podcast. Thank you.